my dear audience, I'm Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Now I'm getting to know you and you are getting to know me. Thank you very much for those who send me emails. I'm very happy to hear from you. Remember I told you that one by one, I will share with you all the tools I utilize in my practice of mind-body integrative therapy. So far, I covered only the healing power of imagination. And if you join me today for the first time, you're welcome to go on my site here on PRN. Uh, all my previous shows can be downloaded. And before you click on the show, you can read a short outline and see what it is uh, this show is about. I think I spoke about mental imagery at least on three shows. Today, I begin a new subject. It is night dreams. I intend to give you quite a thorough instruction about the night dreams, their purpose and practical application. How long will it take to cover the subject? It depends on you. If you start calling in, which you are more than welcome to do during my show and share with your dreams, it may take a little longer, but I would be so happy to work on your dreams right here. Everybody will benefit from observing how it's done, from listening to how it's done, and you will get a free session for which people who come to my office have to pay a lot of money. When you call, uh, you, you don't need to give your real name if for some reason you feel uncomfortable doing so. The number you call is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. And of course, you can email me if you want to. My email address, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. But please don't send me your night dreams through email. I absolutely cannot do anything with them. The only way I can work on someone's dream is to ask them about what each and every image means to them. But before we start, I just want you to remember this. Uh, you need to interact with me when you call. Only by listening to what each uh, person, object, place means to you, I will be able to reflect to you, to give you an idea of the meaning of the dream. So before we start our journey into the mystery of night dreams, let me uh, make a couple of announcements. First, I, I got a new website. I'm very excited about it. My son Aaron and his friend Sheehan um, made this uh, website. Actually, my son said to me a few weeks ago, Dad, your site is like from 20th century. Wake up. We are living in 21st one. And I said, really? So he did some work, not some work, he actually did complete makeover. So now uh, I have the, my courses, audios, videos, books, links, shrinks, shrinks, you name it. I'm a modern name uh, person now, and have a modern website. So there's a lot of interesting things uh, and you can, of course, visit. I will be happy for you to make your comments. My website is drpeterresnik.com. Simple and easy, right? By the way, if you want to email me, 
my address again is Dr. Peter Resnick dot oh, uh, that Peter, Dr. Peter Resnick at gmail dot com. The other thing I wanted to share with you uh, is a very fortunate event uh, that happened. Uh, you know, I had a couple of people that I consider my teachers with whom I studied in person, Dr. Gerald Epstein and Madame Colette Bouquier Mascat, who was Dr. Gerald's teacher as well. But there are three people from whom I learned a lot through their writings. In fact, I considered them my teachers as well, but never met them in person. These were Dr. William Glesser. I learned a lot from him through his writings uh, about working with couples, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Dr. Peter Bregan. And guess what? Dr. Bregan has a show here on PRN on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we were introduced, of course, virtually, and he invited me to be a guest on his show. Listen, I have been following his courageous work for 30 years, I think a little more than 30 years. And in my fantasy, I, I thought that my, one day maybe I will be able to say hello to him, just to talk to him. And here I was questioned by him about my work on his show. What a privilege it was for me and what a wonderful human being he is. Tomorrow the interview will be aired and you must check it out, if not for me, for him, because it's an experience really to spend time with this wonderful man. So it's not only that his writings are great and inspiring, but, but as a human being, he's a beautiful, beautiful man. Okay, uh, I've vented enough. So back to the night dreams. In our modern times, Sigmund Freud, who was an Austrian neurologist and the founder of psychoanalysis, brought public's interest uh, to the importance and usefulness of the night dreams. In 1899, he published the book, The Interpretation of Dreams, in which he expressed his perspective that the night dreams represent unconscious desires, unconscious thoughts, unfulfilled fantasies. But uh, interest in night dreams uh, did not come to Freud uh, as a, a, an original interest. Uh, in fact, in his writings, he gave credit to Solomon Almoni, who lived in 16th century, and who was a rabbi, physician, and an author of a book by the same title, The Interpretation of Dreams. Though Almoni's view on dreams was quite different than that of Freud, because Almani drew his understanding of the dreams from the Bible. And further back, Moses Maimonides, the 12th century theologian and philosopher and, and physician, by the way, he was a personal physician of, the, of Sultan Saladin of Egypt. Maimonides wrote, tell me what your night dreams are, and I will tell you not only who you are, but who you can become. And more than a thousand years before Maimonides, Talmud states, an unattended dream is like an envelope that has never been opened. And of course, the first dream interpreter in the Torah, in the Bible, is Joseph, who interpreted the Pharaoh's dreams that brought him into prominence. 
Uh, but the ancient Hebrews were not the only one who had interest in night dreams. The ancient Sumerians uh, in Mesopotamia have left evidence of dream interpretation dating back to at least 3,000 years um, BCA. And the Akkadian epic of Gilgamesh contains numerous, numerous accounts of the prophetic power of dreams. And the Assyrian king, uh, As Asubarmanipal, yeah, if I hope I pronounced correct. Yes, Asubarmanipal had a dream uh, where he was inspired by goddess Ishtar to win uh, a battle that he was about to lose, and indeed he did win it. And the Babylonians and Assyrians div uh, divided dreams into good dreams, and which came from gods, and bad dreams that came from demons. Ancient Egyptians believed that dreams were like oracles bringing messages from the gods. Uh, they thought that the best way to receive divine revelation was through dreaming, and therefore they would induce or what was called incubation dreams. Egyptians would go into special sanctuaries and sleep on special dream beds and hope that they would receive messages from gods. In Chinese history, because um, they, they, Chinese were very interested in achieving immortality and learning from their ancestors and from the invisible reality how to achieve it, people um, wrote of two vital aspects of the soul, of which one is freed from the body during the slumber to journey into a dream realm, while the other remained in the body. It's interesting because it's a very close perspective that Hebrews had on the dreams. And again, also in uh, Indian text, Upanishadas, written some 900 uh, years BCA, uh, they emphasize again two meanings of dreams. The first says that dreams are merely expressions of our inner desires. Notice that's the view of Freud as well. And the second, the belief that of the soul leaving the body and being guided until awakened by spirits, and that's a little closer to Hebrew perspective. And then the Greeks, uh, Greek philosopher Aristotle believed that the night dreams uh, could actually bring us to awareness of physical ill or well-being. It's very interesting because 2,400 years later, a Soviet doctor, Dr. Alexandrov, uh, doing research in Moscow University came to the same conclusion. And we'll get back to his work later. Uh, I took you on this history excursion because I wanted you to, to see how great has been the interest in the night dreams throughout history and throughout the world. Indeed, just like imagination, night dreams are a universal human phenomenon which unites all people across the barriers of age, sexual difference, racial background, social and historical circumstance. Why? Because it's something that happens with or to all of us. All people always understood that if we have something that we're born with, it's there for a reason, like the hair 
the heart that we can hear beating, the ability to hear or smell, the images that come into our minds at daytime and the images that come at night, all these have a purpose. With the night dreams, the question still is why? What is the purpose of these night dreams coming? As you already heard, there have been numerous attempts to answer this question. What I practice and teach about the night dreams is yet another attempt to understand the purpose of the night dreams and to utilize them to our benefit. I did not create or invent this particular understanding of dreams that I teach. I learned it from my teachers. There are presently over 100 books in print about night dreams. So you may say, why did you choose this particular way, not any other? Very simple, because I found that it works. It's very beneficial to me personally, very beneficial to every member of my family. It's been very beneficial to thousands of my clients and students that I have seen over the years. In fact, every person that I see in my practice, regardless whether they come to see me because they suffer from depression, anxiety, relationship problems, or physical illnesses like cancer or chronic pain, uh, I want them to learn to understand how the night dreams work, that it's a ticket to their freedom. That is, when we finish our work together, I want them to consult their inner advisor, the night dreams, as they move on with their lives without my support. And that is because our night dreams are not only a reflection of where we are in our lives, they're also a blueprint of where we're going. So any day, assuming people remember their night dreams, uh, and it's very simple to remember, you know, you just have to have the intention and put uh, a notebook on your night table and a pen and say to yourself, I want to remember the dream because most of the time people don't remember the dreams because they, there is no intention and don't drink a lot of water before going to bed. And when you wake up in the morning, if you remember even a snippet of a dream, write it down, don't go to the bathroom. The moment you pee, the dream is gone. So remember. So assuming you remember your dreams, you people can look in the mirror of their soul and assess where they are in their lives mentally, emotionally, and physically. The wonderful thing about dreams is that, as I said, they're not only a reflection of where we are at the moment of dreaming, but also a blueprint of where we're heading. And what is a blueprint? The blueprint is something that can be changed. Much more about it later, as we begin what I call working the dream. And we'll also address such questions as, why do we have dreams that reoccur? Why do we have nightmares? and how we can eliminate disturbing dreams. But let us start now first with the types of dreams that we have. There were, <clears throat> excuse me, there were prophetic dreams. Uh, 
well, we'll not talk about prophetic dreams because prophetic dreams ended. There are no prophets these days, from what I know. Prophetic period is over. Then there are precognitive dreams. When a person dreams about something yet to happen, and then whatever he or she dreamt about happens exactly how they dreamt. In fact, uh, once I heard an interesting story told by Ingo Swan, the author of the book, Your Nostradamus Factor. Ingo Swan probably was one of the greatest psychics of 20th century. During the Cold War, he was working for CIA on psychic research and the remote viewing of the nuclear installations in the former Soviet Union. He wrote about it 20 years later. I met him at Dr. Gerald Epstein's house. So he told us uh, about a dream he had when he was a 30-year-old bachelor. He dreamt that he was driving a car with a very young woman in the passenger seat. They were going very fast. The road was long and monotonous, somewhere in the desert. Suddenly, from behind the hill that he did not notice, a huge, big, like blue truck appeared crossing the road, and the collusion was inevitable. And Inga woke up anxious. The dream was so vivid that it stayed with him for days till it faded away. And of course, then he forgot about it. More than two decades later, Ingo was driving through Arizona with his 19-year-old daughter in a passenger seat. Suddenly, he saw a hill on the right side of his car, and the hill from the dream he had years ago popped into his mind. And Ingo slammed on the brakes. And in a second, from behind the hill, a huge blue truck crossed the road on a high speed. If Inga had not slowed down, the collusion would be inescapable. And of course, uh, you probably heard on the internet how many people dreamt about planes crashing into the World Trade Center within weeks before it actually happened. But precognitive dreams are relatively rare compared to the general population. Then there are visitation dreams, which are also not that quick, frequent. But let me speak a little bit about them. Most importantly, how to see the difference between the visitation dream and a regular dream, or what I call wisdom dream, which will be actually the main subject of our talk today and possibly other shows. A visitation dream is a night dream in which a person from the other side, a person who is no longer alive in a physical form, uh, most of the time it is a deceased family member or person that the dreamer was somehow connected with. I spoke about this phenomenon briefly in a previous show when I spoke about one of the aspects of imagination as well as the night dreams being a place of meeting, a reality to which those in the physical form of existence can ascend, that is us, and those in the spiritual plane descend by assuming a form recognizing, recognizable by the dreamer. 
For example, let's say Susan. Susan's grandmother died at the age of 70, when Susan was 10 years old. And now Susan is about 70 herself. Yet her grandmother would choose a garment, the appearance that Susan would recognize and appear to Susan looking 70, as she looked when Susan was a child. And again, as I said, visitation dreams do not happen that often. In a visitation dream, there is no drama, no story unfolding. Nothing happens in the dream except that a person meets a visitor. If there is a story, it is a different kind of a dream. It is a wisdom dream. Unless you are living a dream, which is a continuation of an event or concern or interaction that happened prior to you going to sleep. Let's say you were preparing for a test and upon awakening, you remember dreaming about taking a test or you spoke about your grandmother and then she comes in a dream and there is something happening like a party or family gathering or you saw an accident during the day and then it appeared in your dream. You dreamt about it. Uh, those are impressions or feelings of powerful images. They may not, they may not have much meaning. But most of the night dreams, particularly those which come right before awakening, are what, as I said, I call waking uh, wisdom dreams. So from now on, we'll talk about wisdom dreams. They come to us with the purpose of aligning us with the present moment and showing us to us. When looking into a wisdom dream, we're looking into a mirror. In our waking life, when we look in a physical mirror, we see quantities of ourselves. That is, we see one nose, two eyes, two ears, we see our body. In the wisdom dream, we look into qualities, not quantities. We look into qualities of ourselves, represented it, represented by characters in the dream. I will repeat, we look into qualities of ourselves represented by characters in a dream. Any person, place, or event in a dream holds tremendous significance for understanding of ourselves. Nightmares are simply messages from the deepest part of ourselves or our consciousness calling for change, making sure that we do not forget the dream, We're making sure that we make some changes in our lives. If ignored, not, not, not only may we continue to suffer from the unpleasantness of, quote, bad dream, but we run the risk of perpetuating negativity in our waking life. That's why there is no, in truth, there is no such thing as a bad dream. All dreams are good. If there is a conflict, there is pain in a dream, it's, it's good because it tells us there is pain in our psyche. Something needs to be done about it. So we must be grateful. But where do these dreams come from? Well, it depends on your belief system. Some believe 
that the dreams come from the part of our subconscious mind that sorts out the issues we need to address and presents them in the form that we can decode. Some believe that it's part of our soul that lives our body and has learning experience in other non-physical realms. And some believe that it is an angel, in fact, Angel Gabriel, that teaches us lessons through the stories in a dream. I do not know, frankly, who or what it is. I call it a dream maker. For me personally, it does not matter. It's really not important who or what creates dreams. I'm just grateful that dreams do come, that we live through dreams, because they're useful. And here is what uh, we can learn about the dreams and about our lives through dreams by encoding the language and symbolism of what comes to us at night. Number one, we can learn through dreams about our relationship with the world and ourselves around the time of the dream. Remember, usually it's what happens within one to 72 hours around the dream. Two, we can learn through night dream the global, quote, global issues, physical and emotional challenges that we face in our lives. Not particular, but just ideas of what's going on in our life and how our body is doing. Three, the condition of our body at the time of the dreaming. Not a global state of being, but now about particular pains and aches we may not be consciously aware of. Four, we learn through dreams our unconscious beliefs. And finally, five, how to solve our problems. There are hints. And one by one, you will hear me address all of these issues. Perhaps not only in this uh, uh, show, we may need to take more time. So first, I will focus on the subject of how, quote, to work the dream. Working the dream, it will be our term, in order to gain insight in our relationship with ourselves and the world around us. Here are some basic guidelines in working the dream. When you see yourself in a dream, it is a part of you that is uh, qualities of yourself that you identify with. Other characters in the dream are qualities that you constantly do not identify with. Let me explain to you uh, why these qualities actually appear as other people. Let's say six different qualities must be addressed uh, in this particular dream. Because remember, we're so multifaceted. Uh, it wouldn't just work. How, how otherwise could the dream maker uh, present to us all these qualities? There would be uh, you with a sign, sad, then another you with a sign, angry, or you, generous, or you, courageous, and so on. That's why the dream maker chooses from our story, storehouse memory, 
from our subconscious mind, people that it knows we associate with certain qualities. So if your uncle was a very courageous man and the dreaming mind or the dream maker needs to show you something about courage or lack of it in you, then your uncle will be in your dream. You understand? If you remember a dream upon awakening, make time to work on the dream, preferably right away. This is because the dream might be informing you about something that needs to be addressed during this coming day. It comes not by a chance now. It didn't come three weeks ago. It didn't come tomorrow. It will not come. It came now. So there is a reason why it's here. Okay? So, think of you waking up. Here are uh, three questions you want to ask yourself, or someone, if you are trying to help them to understand their dream. The first question is, how do I feel about, upon awakening? How do I feel about what just happened? Determining your feelings about the dream will give you a sense of whether the issue brought up by the dream is resolved. For example, if you feel puzzled upon awakening, the dream may be informing you that there are things in your life you're not aware of or puzzled by. If you feel happy or relieved upon awakening, perhaps some issue in your life was resolved and the dream reflects that change. The second question you ask yourself, what is the set? What was the setting? That is where the dream was unfolding, the location. The setting speaks of where you are in your life, emotionally. If you were traveling in a dream, for example, the dream may speak about the journey of your life. If you were in a hospital, the dream may be telling you that something is not right uh, with you physically or something with you not being right emotionally. Something is off because hospital is for what? Right? You have an answer. If you were in a school, it may be about education, learning lessons in your life. If you're in a foreign country, you're in a place that is foreign to you. You need to ask yourself, how do I feel about this country? Why this particular country, not any other? What is the first thought that comes to you about this country? That will tell you how you feel about that country and about the situation in your life that you find yourself in. And the third question finally you ask, and this is, these three questions are not to find details about the dreams, uh, about the dream, but just to get a general perception of what this dream, the dream is telling you. We'll go into details as well. So the third question you ask is, if this dream was a story or, or a short movie, what title would I give it? This will reveal to you the general theme permeating the dream, right? So, because usually the title of the movie tells, let's say, uh, celebration or, or 4th of July, right? It tells you 
the content of the movie. So it's very important to think of the title. Uh, remember that the meaning that you attribute to different events, places or people in your dream are strictly individual, since each person has a unique personal history, attitude, uh, appreciations, likes and dislikes. That's why, you know, uh, there are books, uh, 10,000 dreams interpreted. That's a waste of money. I'm sorry to say this, but it's really a waste of your money. Why? Because nobody can interpret dreams for you without you being there. What a horse is for me, it's very, very different from what a horse is to you. What Paris is to me, it may be something different from you. You see? Answering these questions of what each person or each place means to you will immediately give you a sense of the issues with which you are dealing. Work on small segments of a dream first, identifying what qualities of yourself you experienced and how they related to each other. Then see if there, are, there is any analogy that is points of similarity between the events in your dream and your waking life. Let me give you an illustration, okay? Here's an illustration from long ago of working the dream uh, with, let's call her Laura, a 36-year-old mother of 11 months old and six-year-old sons. Uh, Laura remembered a dream in which she was visiting a jail, a prison. There she found Barbara, an old friend from college whom she had not seen for years. Barbara pleaded with Laura to get her out of prison. But Laura said, no, no, I cannot, please, and don't tell anyone that you know me. And she ran out. Upon awakening, Laura felt sad, guilty, and ashamed. That's what she told me. Uh, and the set setting, you understand the setting, it's jail. The title Laura gave to the dream was Betraying a Friend. And here I will tell you my notes. I actually have the notes because I have a lot of notebooks. I used to write down everything that was happening in my dream, in my work with my clients. So here are my notes. Peter, within one to 72 hours around the dream, have you felt like a prisoner? Laura, not really. I have so much fun with my little boy, the, the newborn. He is such a blessing, Peter. What is the first thing that comes to you when you think about Barbara? What kind of a person do you remember her to be, Laura? Oh, fiercely independent and very creative, Peter. So continue, please. There is a fiercely independent and creative quality of you that happened to be in prison. Continue, please, now. Laura, this quality of me that is fiercely independent and creative is pleading with me to get my spirit of independence and creativity out of prison. And I don't want anyone to know that I have anything to do with this quality. Though I feel guilty about it, I cannot help this quality to be free. And, right? Do you hear? 
And at this point, Laura had the aha experience. And that's what we try to work on in, in working with dreams for the aha experiences, the intuition. Yeah, she understood, though she is happy to have a second baby, but she also has no time for herself and doing things that she likes. Often she feels lonely, trapped, and unable to share with her husband about her feelings because she said, he worked so hard so I could stay with the children. These realizations enabled Laura to become aware of the issues she was facing and make changes in her life that would benefit her and her, fa her family. So what I shared with you so far uh, is enough for you to have some idea of working the dreams. If you think about three questions and then seeing each person as a quality of you, you can at least start. When this show is over, if you're interested, think of a recent night dream that you had and ask these three questions and try to work the dream. Uh, I see nobody so far is calling. Uh, so it means uh, we don't have, I don't need to work on anybody's dream. So, uh, so let me continue uh, with, with dreams. Oh, here I forgot to tell you something. I almost forgot. Let me tell you about another night dream that I just worked on this morning, this very morning. My 18-year-old daughter, Hannah, shared with me uh, a dream that she had uh, this uh, night, and I have Hannah's permission to share with you the dream. In the dream, she was with the youngest daughter of the Kardashian family. I just know the name. I don't even know what they do. So the youngest daughter suggested that they both, Hannah and this uh, young girl, uh, I don't know if she's a young girl, how young she is, that they take a drug which would allow them to travel through time. And suddenly they took the drug and they were in London, 19th century. They wanted to go shopping, but realized that it may, uh, interact, they may interact with someone or do something that will interfere with the course, course of history. So they ended to do nothing, doing nothing. Then they were in a different place and in a different place, several places. And again and again, they felt they didn't belong there. Finally, Hannah felt she wanted to go back home. And she was afraid then, she told me, that her father will find out, I, I will find out. And then she woke up. Of course, I asked Hannah these three questions that I told you about. So she told me that upon awakening, she felt puzzled and uneasy. Uh, the location was many places, everywhere and nowhere, like she said. And the title she gave to the dream was a roller coaster. So I asked Hannah, who were the Kardashians, what, uh, what was the first thought that comes to her about them all, about the family? And Hannah said, glamour and freedom to do what they want. Uh, we quickly understood that it was how Hannah felt right now, how she feels right now in her life. She's excited to be out of school. 
she just started an internship with uh, some clothes designer uh, that she likes very much uh, because she's interested in design. Uh, she's excited to go to college in the fall. She feels free because her parents uh, consider her a grown-up and she feels absolutely free to choose what she wants to do with her life. Then I ask Hannah, what was special or different about the youngest child of the Kardashian family? Because remember, uh, it's the youngest child that offered her to take the drug. And she, Hannah thought for a while and then said, well, she's the only one who didn't do any job. I said, what job? She said, well, nose job, boob job, uh, buttocks, whatever. They do a lot of uh, alterations to their bodies. Okay, this is modern life. But this girl is the only one that, she, that seems to be kind of uh, living her own life and doesn't make any changes uh, to her appearance. And I said, okay, this is a quality of you. Remember, glamour and freedom, you like design, you want to be a designer, uh, fashion designer. Uh, you feel, and I asked her, how do you feel? She said, I feel free, I feel I can do anything, I feel wonderful. And then there is a part, remember, this is a part of her that she identifies with. But the part that she doesn't identify with is that, that uh, girl who asked her to take the drug. And I said to her, what is the drug? What does it mean to take the drugs? And she said, it's intoxication. It takes you out of where you are and takes you somewhere else. And I said, where did it take you? And she said, to many places, to the past, to the future, here and there, everywhere. Everywhere but the present moment. And then she's a, she, she wants to go home. She feels like it's time. She wants to go back home. But she's also afraid that her father will find out. And I said, okay, <laughs> what, tell me what's the first thought that comes to you about your father. Not how you feel about me, but what's the first thought? What quality? your father represents. And she said, well, uh, wise and orderly, organized. I said, okay. Frankly, I felt relieved about it. Uh, I said, there is a wise part of you that has order and you feel uncomfortable because that part that oversees, that is orderly and wise, it's already inside of you. You are that wise person who says, no, 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 to, to travel, to go, to, to be intoxicated, to enjoy yourself, yes, to be excited about life, yes, in the now, but to travel through times, to escape the now, it's not good. So that was a wonderful insight. But frankly, I was also happy to hear that there is this wise part inside of Hannah. Uh, it reminds me of something else, by the way. <laughs> uh, many years ago, some 30 years ago, I had a dream. Uh, 30, 30 years ago, remember, I was 36 years old, and my teacher, Colette, of blessed memory, was 80. And after I met her first time, uh, I met her in Jerusalem, and I lived in New York, as I live now. Um, I was so, so impressed, uh, 
inspired by her work and wanted to continue, wanted to be her student. So, and then I came back to New York and I had this dream where I am in bed with Colette making love to her. Really, really making love. I woke up bewildered and I called Colette. Uh, and I said, you know, it, it was like morning, eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning and in Jerusalem, seven uh, hours difference. So it was daytime. And I said, Colette, here I had a dream. You know, I, <laughs> I, I like you. You're a wonderful teacher. But, you know, I don't fantasize about making love to you. But this is the dream. I was a little embarrassed. And she said to me, it, notice that's where my questions come from. And she said to me, what does it mean to you making love? And the first thought that came to me was, well, it's getting very, it's a very high level of intimacy. It's an expression of intimacy, an expression of great connection. And she said, what's the first thought that comes to about Colette? And I said, well, a wise teacher. And she said, congratulations, Peter. If you keep coming back, you'll be my student. I will be happy to see you. But in truth, she said, you do not need to come again because you got intimately connected with the wise teacher inside of you. After that, of course, for another 13 years, I was going every year to Jerusalem to spend time with Colette till she died. But that was the answer. Remember, it all came from me. If I, let's say if I would say uh, making love to me means conquering or power, that means uh, I, I'm conquering uh, a, wise, a wise teacher in me, or there is a struggle, or may, let's say it would be a dream not about making love to Colette, but killing Colette, or fighting Colette. And maybe it wouldn't be Colette, but somebody else. That would still mean, you understand what I'm talking about. It's, it's not really those people uh, who are seeing that are meaningful, but what they represent to us. Okay, now we can move on. Now let's talk about how to recognize our physical, emotional challenges that we face in our life and how to understand the condition of our body at the time of the dream. As you begin working on your dreams, always bear in mind that after you understand the first, three, uh, uh, I answered the first three questions, you may have a good idea of the message of the dream. The dream may reflect the changes occurring in your inner and slash or outer life, or it may reveal conflicts that you're facing. First, recognize the changes and see if they correspond with what you want uh, in your life. If there were conflicts, they must not only be understood, but also corrected by going back into the dream uh, and making a correction. We'll talk about making corrections uh, a little later. As you look for analogies between the events of the dream and your waking life, remember that the dream usually reflects something that 
happen in your life within 72 hours around the time of the dreaming. The theme of the dream may also be reflective of the totality of your life. Pay particular attention to red flags, which usually come with the purpose of attracting your attention to the most important aspect of your uh, of the dream. A red flag means that something in the dream is out of place. For example, you are your age, you're an adult, and you find yourself in the elementary school. You feel embarrassed because you are a grown person and have to study with children. This dream may be calling your attention to the discomfort about having to learn something that you feel you should already know. Another example, you receive your monthly electric bill and it's usually under $100. And suddenly in your this dream, it's $1,100. You are shocked and outraged. This dream may be showing you that you're overspending energy, that is physically, you are exhausting yourself. And without realizing this, you may pay the price. But also, it may be conflicting feelings about something that you're overdoing. So also, notice number 1100. Why wasn't it 2500? Why was, wasn't it 500? The numbers are also meaningful in the dream. If you find yourself in the dream speaking uh, on the phone with a friend who you know to be a very rational person and you just cannot hear him, uh, you dream, the dream may be informing you that you started having uh, hearing problems uh, but and don't have a conscious awareness of it. It also may be telling you that there are probably some issues with being heard. It's not just physical, but emotional, or being uh, having issues of expressing yourself. Um, let me. Be, I, I'm watching my the time, so I don't want to end today's meeting without telling you actually how to make corrections. Okay. Because we'll continue uh, talking about other aspects of dreams and what we learn from the dreams. Remember, we just touched on one out of five um, aspects of working with the dream, and that is our rela relationship to, to the world, ourselves, and the world around us. But if the, you can't uh, remember a dream, and it's a disturbing dream, the correction is needed. So let me tell you a little bit about making corrections. Uh, remember, I said that the night dream is a blueprint and you can go, that is a beautiful part of the dream. You can go inside of the blueprint and make changes. And therefore you change non, not only the inner life, you actually change what is yet to come in your emotional life. Okay? So, how you make a correction. Let's say you had a dream where somebody was chasing you and you couldn't escape and you were afraid to be killed. Well, uh, there, is, there is fear in you. There is anxiety. So what you do, you want to inform your psyche that you are able to stand up for yourself. You want to enhance 
your confidence. So you close your eyes, state the intention. I'm doing this with an exercise to to feel strong or to, to be powerful or to be courageous, whatever conflict is this, whatever, if you feel a victim, to feel, to feel a victor. Not a, you don't mention what you want to move away from, but what you want to move forward to. So you make a statement and then close your eyes and imagine number five, then four, three, two, one, one becoming zero, zero becoming a mirror, a full length mirror, you step into the mirror at the point of greatest conflict and using your will and imagination, change it to good. In fact, that's what is written in Talmud. It's written, if one had a dream that caused him anguish, one must go back and turn it to good. So you make a correction. And once you're victorious, you go back to the mirror, you step out of the mirror, look back in the mirror and see the moment of your victory, see the mirror close into a zero, zero becoming one, two, three, four, five, and you open your eyes. This is it. You made the correction. It, let's say if you saw some flowers, uh, get for yourself in waking life flowers, whatever flowers you saw in your imagination. Uh, sometimes your correction may transfer may transform into what we call a waking dream we'll talk separately about waking dreams the best is if you make a quick correction but waking dream is is kind of an extended journey where things get more involved no matter what happens i want you to know you must end it victoriously use your will and imagination remember that in the world of imagination everything is possible Use your creativity within imagination to be victorious. And then you open your eyes. Uh, this week, I welcome you to make notes, leave a night, uh, your notebook on the night table and, uh, and a pen, having the intention to remember your night dreams. And you're welcome. I probably will talk next um, show, next week, about night dreams, or I will have a guest and then the following week, we'll talk about night dreams. But prepare your night dreams, and you're welcome to call and share with your night dream. And I will work with you live on your dream. Uh, so for now, let's pause. I will start where we ended. And I would like to uh, finish our meeting uh, with... Um, reciting a little poem of a Chinese philosopher, um, Chuang Tzu. I love this little poem. And actually, I saw it being played on the stage as a, as a ballet. Just these four little lines. He wrote, I woke up and remembered the dream that was I was a butterfly fluttering happily above my lot. And then... I woke up and I thought, am I Chuang Tzu dreaming that I'm a butterfly? Or am I a butterfly dreaming that I am Chuang Tzu? Isn't it interesting? And that is all for today. Uh, our hour together came to an end.
thank you very much for being with me today. I hope I will have your attention next Tuesday. As I said, we may have a very interesting guest. I'm not announcing who because I'm not sure that it's possible. But uh, if not, we'll talk, continue talking about uh, the night dreams next week. And please, again, my website is drpeterresnik.com. You can get my email there or just remember my email. Again, drpeterresnik at gmail.com. Send your questions if you have and send uh, your preferences, your interests. If you want me to talk about some uh, subject um, uh, about health, uh, if you have questions about my work, remember my specialty is mind-body integrative approach to healing uh, or mind-body therapy, please write to me. Again, thank you for being with me today. Peace to all who want to live in peace. Adelante, get up to the beat, adelante to the beat, I say goomba, come and